The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. We're live, Wrestling with Jonas live, and I've got another awesome guest with us this week on Wrestling with Jonas live. Uh, I've got uh, this is episode 174, by the way. Uh, I've got a wrestler that's wrestled for OTT Pro Wrestling Ulster. Uh, it's been part of the WWE and wrestled for NXT uh, UK and so many other promotions. I've got none other than the AIR Catch Champion Tucker. So Tucker, great to have you on the podcast, buddy. How are you doing? Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very, very good. Uh, so uh, brilliant to be talking to you. Been looking forward to speaking to you on this episode of Wrestling with Jonas. Uh, first of all, I have to ask you, kind of, how is life treating you during this kind of pandemic era? We've kind of been in lockdown, or some of us have, for uh, about a year or so. Uh, how's life treated you? Has it affected you much? Uh, it certainly affected you, uh, kind of, your ability to get out there and wrestle as often. But uh, how's life treating you at the moment? Yeah, hanging in there, my man. But very. Uh... Very different, that's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. So during this live broadcast, there will be an opportunity for you to ask Tucker any questions, send us your comments, uh, simply enter your comments into the, the bottom of your phone or whatever device you're using. Uh, you're seeing us live at the moment on YouTube, all across Facebook and, of course, Twitch. And uh, we do our very best in the next uh, 45 minutes or however long this interview goes for to answer as many fan questions as you have for Tucker. Now, firstly, I, I want to talk about uh, what you're up to at the moment in Tucker because you're the current AACAT a wrestling champion. Uh, so you've been their champion for a little over a year, and I know that circumstances has had a little bit of a say in the length of your reign, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, AIA uh, Catch Championship, they're based in France, aren't they, Tucker? So for those uh, people that are watching or listening right now, tell us a bit about that promotion, because I must admit, I'm fairly new to AIA Catch, uh, but what can you tell us about that promotion? Um, amazing promotion. So I ended up coaching for them uh maybe the year of the tournament so a good few years back now and then they were running they were running sort of smaller shows then and then they've just grown massively since such a well-run we organization as well and then i ended up getting on so well with the guys who run it and then became their almost like best mates now so like all those guys in france are super cool and then a lot of the kids and stuff are always back at every seminar. So, uh, yeah, it's been must be five, maybe six years now. Yeah. Have you been with them that whole time? Because I, I know that you've had a few matches with them. You're now part of their coaching team for their academy. As you've said, you've been their, their champion since about February last year. Uh, but you, you've wrestled for them, I think, on and off since about 2018. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, how, how did you get involved in their their academy then, their, their training camp? Because I know you're one of the trainers over there, as you've mentioned. Um, is this your first training role as a coach then, Tucker? Um, I would have coached a lot in Belfast, sort of, for a couple of years now. And then I sort of fell in love with coaching for a long time. And then I got a random message from Stefan, the guy who runs the company, shortly after the tournament, just asking yeah. about if I did seminars and if I would be interested. 
And then obviously I was like, yeah, happy days, chance to go to France and something different. Um, Absolutely. And then obviously my French is as bad as my English, mate. So. Well, I was going to ask you about that, Tucker, because, uh, I mean, my French isn't that great, but uh, you're having to work <laughs> over there. And, and um, I think one of your first matches, possibly your first match, I think it was against uh, Le Gigolo, uh, if I've got his name right. And uh, you were trying to interact with some of the fans in, in French and uh, that they were actually interacting with you in English with some kind of wrestling charts that I certainly recognise. So uh, yeah, you, you yeah, certainly yeah. Cre you created that bond with the, the French audience over in Air Catch quite quickly. And I think that first match you kind of uh, got over because of how you were trying to kind of engage with the audience over there. Yeah, it's probably still up there one of my favorite matches because you couldn't just say oh we can do this that and the other you had to sort of think outside the box and then it's a weird one with wrestling i always say it's like you can talk wrestling it's kind of its own language so you might say oh you know like john cena steve austin and then they'll go oh yes okay um but i remember being like kind of mad nervous but like mad excited at the same time for that match because i was like oh geez i don't have a clue what this guy's saying to me so if anything goes wrong yeah, absolutely. But um, I mean, you, I, I've spoken to, to wrestlers that kind of wrestle over in Japan and, and can't speak any Japanese. And I suppose, you know, once you know how to run a match or lead a match, then kind of the art of wrestling just takes over, essentially. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Let's talk about kind of your early beginnings, because if I'm not mistaken, Tucker, you, you've been uh, wrestling for about 14 years now. Is that correct? Yeah, look, when you put it like that, it's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. But uh, <laughs> if, if my maths work out correctly, so you would have been about 15 or 16 when you started. Tell, yeah. tell us about how you, how you kind of got into being a trainee as a pro wrestler then. How did it all begin for you? I'm guessing you've always had a, a lifelong love of pro wrestling, but uh, what was that kind of light bulb moment that made you think, yeah, I want to start training? So I always wanted to be a wrestler, but I just didn't think Belfast kind of offered that. And then when I was a kid, me and my brother would have like, quote unquote, wrestled, obviously not very well and pretty dangerously. And then he used to work in Smith's toy store over here. And some kid came in, he was buying a wrestling figure and he just happened to say, oh, my brother's a big wrestling fan. And he really, whoever he was buying, he was like, he really likes this guy. And he was like, oh, I'm actually training to be a wrestler. And he's like, what do you mean? So then... He came, we were actually at the caravan that night. He came down, it was SummerSlam. Uh, I'm really bad with like years and dates, but it was Ben Wild versus Orton, I think, for the world title, maybe. So I think I would have been 04, yeah, 04. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he was like, oh, this kid's saying that he's at a wrestling school in the Craigie Road, which is a stone throw away from me, really. So like, but then I ended up, I think on the Monday when I was in school, I said to one of my mates, and then remember that the wrestling channel was like a thing back then yeah so he me and him would have watched like ring of honor and all the like tna stuff and everything that was on all the like really unique stuff at that time that you'd never yeah. see anyone else kind of do so like was in love with him i still love WWE as well don't get me wrong but like seeing the likes of aj styles and stuff then was mind-blowing because he was doing stuff that nobody had ever really done so then i was like right i have to have to get down here and have to give this a go yeah, absolutely. And I know that we spoke a little bit off air and through my research. Uh, am I right in thinking that, um, I don't know whether it's straight away, but fairly early on in your training, you, you was actually trained by uh, Fergal Devitt, Finn Balor and, and Paul uh, Tracy. So 
how did that come about? How did you start getting trained by, by Finn and by Paul? So for the first few years, it was just mainly Belfast stuff. And then other guys would have started talking about the likes of Finn Balor and the likes of Paul Tracy and all the like NWA Ireland stuff at the time. And then yeah. seeing how like our coaches then would have recommended us to go down. So we would have got like a busload of us going down then to the seminars. And again, I couldn't tell you what year or date it was, but I remember doing my first seminar with Finn Balor and stuff. And it was just mind blown, just how much knowledge he had and how much you thought you knew. He came home with just like a complete sort of eye opener to psychology and moving around the ring and how not to blow yourself up in the first 10 seconds. Yeah, and so part of that group, I mean, I, I mentioned again off there, but so there was such a kind of a, a big collection of Irish wrestlers that were kind of breaking out into the, the Irish wrestling and maybe the UK wrestling scene at the time. Uh, I mean, you know, Becky Lynch and Jordan Devlin, were they kind of in the picture at the same time? Because they were trained also by Finn and by Paul, weren't they? Yeah, so anytime I went down, Jordan was there as well. He wrestled under something different. I think it was... Iguala or Toi or something, he came out in like a suit and so, so different to what obviously would you see in him now, like how much he's evolved, but he could still do some really like mental stuff. So he always just sort of had it in him to be, you just knew he was going to be a big timer eventually. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we know you nowadays as, uh, you know, you like your strikes. Uh, you're very versatile in the ring. Uh, you, you're good in the air off the ropes as well. But what type of wrestler and what type of character were you kind of in them early two or three years? I'm guessing you've evolved and changed entirely in, in 14 years. But uh, uh, how was your wrestling style and did you have much of a wrestling persona back then? Um. I was just like a wild kid back then. So when we first broke in, they kind of sat us down. And it, when I started wrestling, I was about eight, just over eight stone. So I was pretty small. And uh, we started to get like good at the technical side of things and the moves and stuff at training. But they were kind of saying, look, these are really good in ring and you can carry a good match, but you're too small and we can't put you on our shows because it's not going to be believable. And then the time it was UCW, like Ulster Championship Wrestling, that was way, way back. And they had sort of said to us, look, we've got a spot for you. You guys are going to be in a rumble. So we were over the moon. Like, nervous, excited, obviously, like, oh, my God, first show, this is going to be mental. And uh, the plan for that rumble was we were coming out as two, like, Belfast Spides or Chabs, if you will. So we had, like, a bottle of cider each. Um, <laughs> Ali does bell bottoms on, Burberry caps on. And I actually came out then the scooter fire, which I still come out to to this day, actually. <laughs> they were like, oh, you know, it should get a good pop. So the, the crowd went absolutely insane because obviously it was two kids. It was me. It was Jonty and Tucker was the tag team at the time. It was one of my mates, Chris, who I actually started with. And then during that rumble, two guys ended up, one guy ended up getting injured in the match before. And then someone got injured in the actual rumble itself. And they were like, look, there's two slots here. We're going to send you out again. So we ended up going out again. Crowd went mental. And then they sent us out again the third time. The crowd lost, their, lost the plot kind of thing. So it ended up actually working out so well for us because it got us super over as these two absolute head case kids just running in and screaming and shouting and getting their asses whipped. Like, you know what I mean? 
That's awesome. Have you ever reprised the uh, the Burberry Capital, you know, since them early days? I think it's probably still in my mum's house somewhere. I know the, <laughs> I know those bell bottoms are still there, and they look ridiculous. <laughs> Look ridiculous. <laughs> probably better off left in the past, I would say. Probably better off yeah, left in the I past. So. I mean, you mentioned just a moment ago, Tucky, that when you started, you was you know small. You was eight stone. Uh, but when did you? I mean, you, your physique has obviously come a long way since then. You've put in a lot of work, a lot of graft uh, to kind of get the physique that you, that you have currently. When did the kind of the you know concentrated on your body and maybe the diet and you know nutrition and the weights come into it? So when we actually started in Craigie, there was a guy, Duncan Disorderly, who's uh, back then, obviously, when you were a kid, I was like, this guy is an absolute unit. He's a monster. Um, he was always in great shape. And I remember when I used to watch the UCW shows, he was the standout guy and he was the guy everybody went home talking about. But to me, he had the whole package. He could move. He was big. He looked jacked up. He looked like a wrestler, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then. Uh, he said to us at training, he was like, that's the only thing holding you back is just the look and kind of being a wee bit bigger and more sort of, it's easier to promote a guy, you know, like, oh, I can put you on the poster and you're going to look a million bucks if you're in that ring, like in some sort of shape. So then that was, that was pretty much me joining the gym and thinking I was going to be the next John Cena. <laughs> You've not looked back since, but uh, I mean, can, can we talk about pro wrestling Ulster? Because I know that for the best part of 10 years, they were kind of a big part of your career. Um, two time uh, pro wrestling Ulster champion. Um, and it looked like you had a, a really good time in them 10 years when you're working for them. You've got so many career highlights working for pro wrestling Ulster. Uh, how, how do you kind of look back at your time working for uh, pro wrestling Ulster nowadays in Tucker? Um, it was just such a unreal wee place. So anybody who actually got the chance to rest there fell in love with it because it was so such a great atmosphere backstage. And then it was one of those companies that was never supposed to be like this spectacular company. And then all of a sudden they brought Drew Galloway over. Yeah. And I remember the day that they turned to me and said, "Look, we're bringing Drew in." I was like, "Oh, that's amazing." And then they were like, "Well, you're going to wrestle him?" And I was like, "Holy." Um, yeah. and at that time I'd never wrestled like wrestled an import so he was actually my first import that I wrestled and, uh. and uh, I worked down in Wee Gym in Beaver at the time the one that I would call Average Joe's Gym and they rang me the day of the show I was actually working a shift because I couldn't get out of it and they said look Drew's looking at gym here do you think you can hook him up so lo and behold he walked into like the wee local gym just beside my house and I'll never forget, like, kind of, I was stressed, and then when I met him, I was like, this dude is so nice, so friendly, like, just a big, friendly giant, and I remember him getting on the cross trainer, and his head was skimming the roof, because the gym's quite small, and obviously Drew's an absolute monster. He is, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. That was just at that time, that was mind-blowing to me, that I could be wrestling someone on that level, and I was stressing, like, can I hang with this guy, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and I know that you you did have a match with him. Uh, I think it was he was fresh off of his WWE contract as well, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in 2014. Um, and like I say, he put you over big time after the match. I mean, you've also had 
some amazing matches in progress and also with the likes of, uh, I've got a list here, Davey Boy Smith Jr., Matt Seidel, yes. Corbin and Bonesaw, Al Snow, Big Damo, just before he went off to NXT. Uh, you mentioned Drew there. So it's, it's kind of a list of, you know, who's who of uh, the, the UK and the international wrestling scene, really, that you've had a chance. You've, you've had some fantastic opportunities against some of these guys over at uh, yeah. Pro, Pro Wrestling Ulster. Definitely. Uh, Big Damo has just been instrumental for me as well because I ended up wrestling him in a place called Bally Castle, which is like an hour or two away from Belfast. And I was the first guy just to go up to him and say, oh, how you doing? Anything you need? And then it ended up us two kind of working each other. And then after the match, he was like, man, your stuff's great. And he was like, oh, what's your Twitter handle? And I just remember being like, oh, I don't have Twitter, mate. I can barely work a phone, which is still true. <laughs> And uh, it's like, oh, you need to get Twitter and you need to start putting yourself out there and blah, blah, blah. So I think the weird thing with me in wrestling is, like, as a kid, I was never big and uh, I never had, like, much confidence. And then you'll hear a lot of people saying it. It kind of brings you out of yourself as a person because you're meeting new people every weekend and you're kind of having to talk to people because if you want to put a match together, you have no choice but to. And him and me ended up sort of hitting it off and just staying in touch with each other then after that. Because he thought I was working on it. I was like, oh, I don't have Twitter. And he started laughing. He goes, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know a lot of wrestlers to this day that still don't have Twitter. But uh, um, Al Snow, um, did you have like an exchange of championships between yourself and Al Snow over a couple of matches? And that must have been fantastic. Obviously, you know he came in as, as the import, and once again, as per normal, they put you with uh, with the top name. A uh, bit, a bit of a kind of a, a big name to be in there with, and uh, having a couple of championship matches with at the same time. Yeah, the Al Snow stuff was great because the story. Behind that was uh, maybe a year before I'd done the TNA, it was the British book or the gut check or whatever, one of the two. Yeah. And uh, in the promo part, Samoa Joe wanted to put me through. And then I think Al made the last call and didn't put me through in the end. So it just made for like such a great story. And then he got to the show and had a chat and stuff. But we didn't really have the. The Al Snow thing was a massive um, learning curve for me. It was a weird one because I'd worked Drew and Seidel previous to that. And they were just so, um, let's do this, let's do that. You know, it's like a standard kind of match and talk it over and then go out there and do it. And Al got there, I think he had a really rough flight and stuff from what I remember. And I was like, oh, well, I do this and that. And do you want to do this? And blah, blah, blah. And he said, like, We'll just do whatever we do out there. And I was like, mm, what do you mean? So we didn't like plan anything. Plan, plan like the finish, and that was literally it. So like beforehand, wow. I was so so nervous and thinking this match is going to be a train wreck, but it actually turned out really really well. And after I was like, I can see why he done that now. And then he was like, look, you done great, and that's exactly what I wanted to see from you. And it really meant a lot to me after. Um, yeah. but. And he ended up actually doing me on my head and taking the belt off me. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. <laughs> And, and so, I mean, going back to the way you put that match together then, Tucker, I mean, has it kind of, uh, did it make you think about how to put matches together a bit differently after that in terms of not planning so much and maybe doing things more in the ring? A hundred percent, yeah. Because 
the more uh, stuff you don't plan, the better the match tends to be, in my opinion, because it's more organic. And then it's just like learning to react to the crowd as well. And you'll hear a lot of, you'll hear Austin kind of saying that a lot. And I would have heard him say it so much, but never really registered it until maybe that experience. And I thought, I was able to actually go, well, they're buying into this. I'll keep doing it. Or, well, I'm not really feeling that. I don't need to do that anymore. Or let's move on. So it was definitely like a massive learning curve for me. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's probably changed the way you think about structure in a match from then on, really. So like you said, you know, Al Snow is a, a massive learning curve and a really valuable experience for you. But uh, can, can we skip to 2016? Because I think that's when you had your WWE tryout, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm guessing that working all them names uh, for progress in Ulster and um, the, the TNA uh, shot kind of helped to put you on the map. Uh, and then you eventually got a WWE tryout. So uh, tell us about that, because that eventually led to what was the 2017 United Kingdom Championship, wasn't it? So tell us about the, the, the tryout and how you got the news about being part of the uh, UK Championship tournament then, Tucker. Yeah, that was, uh, that was insane. Basically, I'd only really came around from knee surgery then. So I was out for 10 months and then... I'd only really came back and I ended up wrestling, wrestled Corbin I think first and then I wrestled Damo in my second match back maybe. And That's two tough matches on your return after such a, such a, yeah. a bad, I mean it was ACL injury wasn't it, ACL surgery you yeah. had. I had to get my ACL reconstructed and then the patella was dislocated so they actually had to break my leg as well, take my knee out and then put it back in. So it was really pretty drastic. Horrible. Something I really do not ever want to have to go for again. No. But uh, I wrestled Demo, and at the time he was heading off to, and I think it was kind of common knowledge that he was heading off to NXT, like everybody sort of knew the score. And he got on the mic at the end of the match, which wasn't planned at all. And I said to him after, I was like, geez, man, like, near had me in tears right there because he kind of got on the mic and said, well, this guy's been through a lot and I wrestled him like maybe two, three years ago or whenever it was. He was the first guy to come up to me in Ballycastle and make me feel comfortable. And he goes, I've just had so much time for him ever since. He goes, I might be going places, but I know this guy's going with me. And that to this day still even like tears me up a wee bit. It's kind of, it meant so, so much to me. But um, it must have been, it was a good few months after that I got this email. And like I said to you before this podcast, obviously I nearly botched it with a battery, but it's working, it's charging well now. Um, when it comes to phones and emails and stuff, very rarely I'll check my emails. When this is Alexi said to me, like, you've got 110 on red emails. I'm I'm terrible yeah. with emails. <laughs> so I came through and it was like a, like a WWE tried email, basically. I was like, this can't be legit. And I showed it to my brother. I was like, that looks crazy professional to be at work, you know. So it was actually Damo who I contacted and said, do you reckon this could be legit? And he was like, yeah, 100% it is. Get your ass ready. And I was like, Ooh. okay. So then it was only maybe five or six weeks, but it was just five or six weeks of hitting the nail on the head, all the basics and making sure everything was as sharp as it could be. Yeah, and um, and obviously you you had to try out, and that led to the news of you being included in the, the the United Kingdom Championship tournament, which 
uh, was kind of, you know, the shot in the arm, I think, that, that British wrestling needed. It really did put a lot of British wrestling talent on the map. Um, and I remember that the picture or the, the footage of all you guys standing on the stage. Yeah, you got Hunter in the middle. You've got Finn on one side, Regal the next, and all you guys uh, kind of looking your best kind of on the stage there. Um, how did you get the news, first of all, that, that you were going to be part of that tournament? And then what, what was that kind of experience like of that day? I think it was in London, wasn't it, the press conference? Yeah, yeah. I was actually working at the time in a gym called Girdwood, just across town from me. And uh, it was like a weird, really weird place. And I, the place I was before, I was really happy in. And they kind of put me in this gym to bring the, the memberships up and uh the manager in the place didn't really get on great with me and it was the first time i'd ever worked somewhere and not got on well with the manager it was like so so strange to me and uh there was supposed to be an induction in and then my phone was vibrating like mad in my pocket and i was waiting on the induction waiting on the induction so i'm just gonna check and see what this is and i looked at it and said <laughs> united it said united states on it i was like what and i didn't think I was like, I'm going to answer this. What, what could this be? So I answered it and I was like, hello. And it was Regal. Wow. <laughs> what? So I just like sprinted down the fire escape. I was like, the induction can free. I was like, hello, hello. And he was like, look, uh, you remember you were at the trial a couple of months ago. And I just sort of thought, it's a weird one with the trial because it goes really well, but you know you could do everything perfect, but that might not be what they're looking for at the time. Yeah. So we just, it's just human nature. You start to think like, oh, that's not going to work out this time. Or, and I said, look, we're going to be running a, a tournament. I'm just wondering if you're interested and would like to offer you this contract for this amount of money. And it was like, uh, yeah. He was like, you, do you need time to think about it? I was like, nope, <laughs> definitely not. Sign me up. So then I remember just getting back upstairs. And I think that same day, the manager tried to have a go at me about something and then I walked down at the end of the shift and just had the boat his hand was like, no problem, take it easy. Yeah. It was man. So, so good. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, see you later, mate. I'm off to WWE. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. catch you, catch you. <laughs> and then, then uh, the next time we see you is, um, uh, I think it was February, the or very early 2017 in Blackpool for them two nights. Now, I, I was kind of sat in the comfort of my own living room watching it uh, on, on the big TV, but um, you were lucky enough to be there. You experienced both nights with, with the fans. I mean, the atmosphere in the Empress Ballroom was, was fantastic over them two nights but being part of that experience um you know it, it, and for everybody else involved as well backstage it must have been um you know elation backstage because of how it all went down it was it was incredible that the uh the day that the bracket came out for that i read it backwards so i just thought i was opening the show and uh when we got over then they were obviously prepping uh, the show and stuff and they were reading out the card and i was sitting like bite my nails thinking oh no I've been dropped off the card and uh, the matches were going on and on and obviously my name wasn't being called and then they were like uh, first night main event Tucker Tyler and I remember just like everyone <laughs> turned around and looking at me and me just thinking oh shit um, <laughs> but my heart was just like beating out of my chest thinking this is going to be heartbreaking to ring my mom and be like oh I'm not actually on the show but instead I was ringing her to say uh, I'm the last match on the show 
And she was yeah. like, oh, so I'll have to wait and see you then. I'll have to watch all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, let, let's talk about that match, because in my opinion, it was the match of the first round. Um, and, it, and it was an incredible match. And to be honest with you, I mean, I saw uh, Tyler Bate wrestle when he was about 17, uh, a couple of years earlier. Um, but uh, there was a lot of names there that, that, were, that were young, that were just breaking through. You were making a name on the Irish scene, but probably not so much over over in England. So, you know, you were trying to make a name for yourself as well. But you two kind of stole that first round, in my opinion. And, and you very nearly stole the match as well when you did your uh, your super duper kick, which sent you oh, flying yeah. out of the ring, which was unfortunate. Uh, but it was a great match between the two of you. Just thinking, had you have stayed in that ring, uh, those two days could have gone a whole lot different for you. But uh, tell us yeah. about that match. What do you remember about that match anyway, Tucker? Uh, what I always remember is like before how nervous I was and how calm Tyler was. It was ridiculous. And he was a proper kid then. He was uh, no, 19. 19, yeah. Yeah. And he was just sitting there calm as you like. I was like, you okay? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, um, <laughs> and I remember where you went out. So I was standing like a gorilla basically. And there was like a little iPad on the wall. And we had done like the car wash thing where you did like all your interviews and your kind of pre-talk just explaining who you were and what you were and blah 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 and they played these wee preludes like the last couple of weeks coming up to the tournament and i remember in mine i had said like oh you know nobody throws a super kick like me and blah blah, blah. and there was pure backlash on twitter from a few people that i didn't know and one of the young bucks actually had tweeted just being like, oh, really? Question mark or something. <laughs> but then Jordan actually turned to me and he goes, if you're throwing a super kick, you better hope it's good. <laughs> so at this time, I'd never actually really done. I did it maybe once on like an indie show. And oh, really? Wow. It over so, so well. And, everyone, and then I was like, God, I may absolutely take this man's head off if I'm throwing this. And uh, I'll never, ever forget that that whole match was just... It was insane. It was like a dream, and it sounds a bit cheesy to say, but I just felt so comfortable before, like the second before going out that curtain. I have never been more stressed in my entire life. Heart was absolutely racing. Thought I was going to blow up walking to the ring, and then everything in the match just flowed. Testament to how good Tyler is, because I'd never ever been in the ring with him. I'd seen a lot of his work, but he was just incredible to work, and I still to this day think. He's one of the best in the world. He's ridiculously good. Yeah, but, yeah um, absolutely. He's only 24 now, so I just think... Yeah. Well, I would just think how good he is now and how good he's going to be in a few years' time. But like I said, when things get back to normal, hopefully we'll see a lot more of him and you. But uh, how did you come up with this, the super-duper kick then? Because it's no ordinary super kick, is it? Because you kind of leave the ground. It, it, it reminds me when I see it, maybe a combination of a super kick and a claymore kick. But how did you yeah. come up with the move? Was it, was it by accident? Uh, to a degree, yeah. So I was working a guy called JDP back home, and he had like this a beard that makes mine look like a baby. He had this big and seeing beard, so I knew how to catch someone and just make it look insane without really killing them. And uh, we were working a match, and I hit him with this super kick, and my head was like, "That was so sweet." And he just kind of stumbled and said to me, he was like, oh, he didn't hit me enough. And I remember just being so annoyed. So I was like, right, okay. And I just left my feet and absolutely drilled him. <laughs> and after it, everyone was like, oh, that super kick was insane. Like, what made you, where did you come up with that? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, 
be onto something here. And then I think I used it again after that. And again, I got like a massive reaction and I was like, well, that's the one. I used to use like a, a sling blade and they were on Star Press before. And then after I hit that, I was like, that's getting like 10 times the reaction. And even like guys in the back were talking to me about it. Like, did you kill that guy? Is he okay? You know, so then I was like, the boys in the back are popping like that. And this needs to be, needs to be the one. Yeah. And even when you hit it on Tyler, I know Nigel McGuinness, he put it over big time on commentary. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely, you know, made a bit of a reaction all round there, especially when you've got kind of Nigel McGuinness uh, on commentary as well. But um, you, you you kind of worked um, quite a few shows for or under the WWE banner. And we're talking before NXT UK was born. But uh, I mean, if I could just run through a few things here, you had two matches in Dublin, uh, one where you faced Jordan Devlin and then another one where you teamed yeah. with him to take on Mustache Mountain. Uh, and then uh, in your hometown of Belfast, you took on uh, Joseph Connors and you won. So so tell us about that kind of UK tour when they were in Ireland and, and Northern Ireland, you, you know, in front of you, your friends and your family, uh, having such a great time and then kind of winning that match over Connors in Belfast. Uh, it must have been another dream come true for you. Yeah, the tour, the house shows were insane because the you were on the bus with these guys that you grew up watching and everyone was so, so nice and kind of, even the ones like who you would expect to be maybe harder to approach just came across great. Like Bray Wyatt was the coolest guy on earth. You know, he would have sat and chatted to you for like 15, 20 minutes and just kept asking me if Trent Seven was going to be here. <laughs> I was like, first not. So kind of, he was like his party brother, like, you know. But yeah, uh, it, was, yeah. it was surreal, man. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you were involved in the second United Kingdom Championship tournament as well. Now, the first round, if I remember rightly, was held at the Download Festival that year in 2018. Yeah. Uh, and you was in uh, a, a hard-hitting match against Joe Coffey. Now, I'm going to say, I, I don't know what you remember of that match because I think it was a match where you suffered a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, Tucker. But I was, I was watching the match back this week in preparation for our chat, and I couldn't quite spot where you might have got the concussion. Now, it might have been where your, your head snapped underneath the top rope when you got flung against the ropes, or whether it was Coffey's lariat that kind of led to the pin. Uh, but you, you were kind of injured towards the end of that match. Do you remember kind of how that uh, match went and uh, kind of of how the injury occurred yeah so um the match was like really frantic from the get-go just sort of we were supposed to go out a bit later and then something happened and then we had like a two-minute call and we we're like oh here we're gonna have to put your match next instead of after intermission so we had nothing majorly put together right i was like oh okay go 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 so it was all like a wee bit rushed and then there was a spot in the match where and I, I think they actually took it out because it was so bad in terms right. of like pretty graphic from what I hear anyway because I remember um, when my head hit everything just kind of went black for a second I was like oh, no. so I had actually did I think it was like a Trouble in Paradise style kick Coffee went out over the top I did like a suicide dive through but because he went out over the top the ropes were still kind of bouncing Gotcha. And I was like completely committed on the suicide dive. One of my feet caught, and then I completely dived right down head first into the ground. And the whole that would explain why what they must have cut that one out then. Yeah, sure. You'll actually see if you watch it back now. You'll see it cuts to the crowd, and then it cuts back, and we're back in the ring, sort of thing. That's right. And you can see I'm a wee bit sort of not really with it. 
And then it kind of came back around again and felt, you know, considering like I was happy enough of how the match ended and finished up and stuff. But I remember just coming into the back. And it's a weird, it's a weird thing because they are so great to you and so nice to you when you're working there, but you just don't want to mess anything up. And you are walking on eggshells a wee bit in terms of you just want to take all the boxes and make them super happy, you know. And we're like, uh, I think it was Big A Train or Albert who was standing. He was like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm completely fine. Absolutely fine. And he was like, no, you're not fine. Um, you're going straight to the doctor's office. I was like, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. And he was like, no, this is what you're doing. And I was like, okay. And he's, you, you don't answer back to him like he's a big monster. So yeah. Yeah. I went to see the doc and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, honestly, I'm probably more like emotionally hurt because I wanted the match to go so well because two coffee is so good. And yeah. I know me and him could have had like an absolute stormer. And then... Uh, he was sort of like, right, we're going to do like reverse alphabet and stand on one leg. And I remember like balance for me would be pretty good usually. And he was getting me to do like the most basic thing, like stand on one leg. And I was like, why can I not do this? And then that was stressed me out. And he was like, listen, you 100% got a concussion. And then that really rattled me. I'd been like, I think I'd had one or maybe two concussions in my lifetime, but in the Indies, Back in the day, things were a lot different, and some of the matches I used to have were really looking back on them now. As much as I loved that style of wrestling, like unprotected chair shots and all that stuff, is just it's needless and it's not going to do you any favors long term. But um, yeah. that sort of really rattled my confidence for a while, and I remember struggling big time. I was okay on the Indies, but when I was in WWE, I felt like I had this insane pressure on me because I'd messed up in my head and I just couldn't really shake that yeah and uh, I mean that that led to you know uh, you know a bit of bad news for you where your contract wasn't renewed then Tucker and um there's on on the OTT YouTube channel there's a a three-minute video promo from yourself you said that that kind of you know that hit you pretty hard after that news um but uh, how, how was you able to kind of mentally pick yourself up after that news and kind of, you know, obviously the WWE thing, it, it was great while it lasted, but you, you got, you know, you're back on the indies working with OTT. How, how did you mentally kind of get back into, into, you know, uh, the right mental shape of mind? Um, so I think after that, they had a thing called an impact test where you, it was all done on computers and I kind of explained them before. I was like, listen, on my best day, I'm not going to be able to work a computer. And I, this was like, a, it was before the Royal Albert Hall show. Right. And, uh, Brookside at the time, he was so, so good. And like always would have put me aside and chatted to me and said, this is, you're doing great at this. And he actually was the booker for me and Tyler in the Blackpool show. So after that, me and him really, really bonded. And uh, the way that match was, he was like, listen, I, this sounds great. I'm not going to really dip my toes in it too much. And he said, look, you're going to do your impact test. And after that, you'll be fine. You'll maybe get a dark match on the Royal Albert Hall show, which is obviously a venue everybody was busting to wrestling. Yeah. And we had, you would have had like meetings before the shows and they kind of explained, look, everybody's going to do an impact test and, the doctor, there was two doctors. One of them was just 
like that dry humor and then they like were really harsh like dry humor and I kind of said it was like look nobody feels an impact test unless they're a complete spanner basically so I wrote it as in like oh happy days you can't feel it it'll be fine but it was um it started off fine it was like remember these words blah 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 dead on and then it was remember these shapes but see like maths or geometry or anything like that I could never ever do and I remember coming out and Jordan was actually there and he was like are you okay and I was like that's the hardest test I ever did in my life and he sort of laughed and obviously like my whole gimmick was more guts than brains so he just laughed and I was like not just a gimmick baby and I was like honestly that was, that was brutal yeah and I think maybe later that day they were like look everybody has passed it's fine so I assumed then that I had passed and the next day the other doctor Brian it sort of he was like oh, I thought can I speak to you for a second he's like look your result came back for your impact test and you haven't passed it and I was like well surely this is a rib because yesterday everyone had passed it he's like it's okay could it just been like a, an error in the computer and then I was like double stressed like shit I really have to nail this this time so I went back in and it felt like it went better that time and then he put me aside I was like look it's you feel that test again and then I always remember like chatting for exciting with me I was like look keep your head up at the end of the day health comes first and after that I always felt this weird like tension and stuff and like uh, I feel like they want rid of me because I'm like not a hundred percent and obviously I get that because they need everybody to be a hundred percent healthier it falls on them sure and then it wasn't too long after I think it was actually it was Christmas Eve I got a text saying we need to give you a call later and I'd sort of put the pieces together the week before and then they rang me in the car just before I went down to my mum's house and then that's when I sort of had to tell her, I was like, oh, that's kind of done. And then it just, it broke me a bit. And then it broke her too, I think, because she'd seen me kind of graft for that for so, so long. Especially after the surgery and stuff, where she had to kind of, like, help feed me and stuff, because I could do literally nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I mean that that's kind of like a really tough time in your career. Um, but did you find that after all of that... <laughs> you kind of you found the motivation you found the drive to kind of continue and, and to kind of make more success within your career within the wrestling business did you find that you wanted to kind of uh, that you used it as motivation to maybe prove wwe wrong and to further your career from then onwards a hundred percent so like i think not too long after that it was the the ott show of walter and then yes. that promo the lads had kind of contacted me about doing a promo and I just remember like it was a one take and they were just sitting with their eyes wide and like looking at me and I was like oh sorry lads I kind of got carried away with that and really let loose a bit and they were like no they were shaking their heads like no that was perfect like that was so so good and then I remember when they released that promo they might the people messaged me being like that promo was insane like it just kind of they felt it and uh, that match, I was like, right, this needs to be an absolute banger. And I was in Germany the night before. And I remember the flight delaying and stuff, but I ended up getting the show in okay time. But I remember just like the stress that day, building and building. And then the, the crowd and Belfast for that match were ridiculous, like just insane. Up there yeah. in terms of atmosphere, that probably one of the best atmosphere I've ever, ever wrestled in. It was crazy. 
Well, let's talk about that then, because um, Walter was going to come up in my next question. And uh, how how did that match come about? How did they kind of tell you that you're going to be facing Walter? Like I say, fresh off of not having your contract renewed with WWE, and then you get in this massive match against Walter for OTT. Um, and uh, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest matches or probably one of the most important matches of your career to that day. But how did they give you the news that you're going to be facing Walter? And then ugh, tell us about the match, because uh, I don't think I've spoken to anybody that's been in the ring with Walter before, uh, but I want to kind of hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak, uh, kind of how it feels to be in there with the big man. But uh, how did you get the news, first of all? Um, so... I just got a random message actually from Joe Cabrera just saying, oh, are you available for Belfast on this date? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem at all. And then the way that he works is just, do not hear from him again? And then he'll just send you a random match graphic and I'll be like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> and that was, that was exactly what he done. And I think <laughs> when we watched OTT, I always remember that Devlin Walter belt, the first one. Yeah. That video was incredible. And um, they've just such a grasp on how to tell a story, when to tell a story. And I feel like Cabrera gets that in terms of he knows when to strike with something. So, like, the story was perfect at the time because it had just been released and it, it had just yeah. went public, basically. It had been released for a little while and then it obviously it went public on, like the, like, the dirt sheets and all that stuff. And then I think he was just like, right, let's strike while the, while the iron's hot kind of thing. And, geez, the crowd were just... Cause the, they would play the promos before the shows and I think that's such a massive if you have the ability to do that as a promoter it just makes the matches seem like such a massive deal so even before I came out there the place was absolutely rumbling and going insane and then just the second we connected in that match it was just magic yeah, but, uh, and I, I mean, I, I've seen Walter. <laughs> sorry, I was going to say I've seen Walter in action a couple of times. Uh, uh, once uh, NXT Takeover Cardiff when he fought Tyler Bate, and I mean, one thing that was obvious in that match is that Walter he always wrestles a better match, in my opinion, against you know a smaller opponent. And crikey, you know, he's a big guy. But uh, yeah. tell us how you think that match went, and you know the the chops and the kicks that Walter lays in look punishing, you know, through the TV screen. But what are they like yeah. actually being in the ring with him? How punishing is it? It's probably as close as you're gonna get to being in a real fight. <laughs> That's probably the best way to describe it. Um, his chops are just next level. You know what I mean? You can literally feel his hand touching your heart. It's brutal. <laughs> But um, yeah. I never forget doing, I think I went for like a springboard back elbow off the top. And the next thing he just chopped me out of the air and I was like, oh, that was real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think everybody remembers the picture of uh, Jack Stars with the kind of the, the the handprint on his on his chest backstage. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you felt it in much the same way. But uh, would you say that Walter was kind of one of your bucket list opponents, and you've kind of ticked uh, that particular name off your list? Yeah, I think as much as I love doing it, I would definitely love to do it again. Because again, from the older days where I would have had like the crazier sort of hardcore, hardcore, like, hitting matches. I really, enjoy, weirdly enjoy that stuff. So I think just for me personally, those kind of matches where it feels like a real fight, you're so, you're fired up on a different level. 
like just a completely different level. I remember wrestling a hardcore match in Mandela Hall against Tron, and still to this day, I don't know if I've ever performed on that level. And it was actually like bust open legit in that match. And they always say when you taste your own blood, it just drives a man insane. I definitely cannot deny that. That was just I felt like it was just on a different level that night, and the crowd were just an amazing venue as well at the time. Unfortunately, it's been knocked out and stuff since, but it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about Pack because uh, you uh, had the, the privilege of facing Pack in, in a four-way match. And I think it's yourself, Pack, Joe Coffey again, and Alexander Dean. Um, and this was for Courage Wrestling in Dublin in, in 2018. Now, you, you actually won the match, which is uh, fantastic. Um, but uh, was that the first time that you've had the opportunity to face Pack and, and uh, kind of what your memories of that match as well and, and facing such an incredible talent? And I think, once again, he was fresh off of his uh, WWE run. Yeah, he was the man. So, like, uh, when I was doing the house shows, <laughs> he would have chatted to me because he did the AWR tours and stuff like a good few years before he was doing his WWE run. And he said, like... yeah. Him and Sami Zayn and stuff, that's still the most fun they've ever had in wrestling. The likes of Paddy Morrow and Max are all here, just pure entertainment in and out of the ring, do you know what I mean? Maybe even more so outside the ring. But um, he had so much time for me and Jordan as well. But I remember at the time of the tournament, I was about maybe like just over 14 stone and had the mentality of like, need to be massive, need to be massive. But for my frame, that was just, that's too much weight for what sort of frame I have. And then having a conversation with, with Pac, who was then actually a stone lighter than me. And I was like, there's no way in hell this man is lighter than me. Like, how can he look like this and be lighter than me? And he just sort of chatted to me and said, like, if you're leaner and sort of tighter waisted and bigger backed, you're going to look far better on TV. And it's so, so true. If you look at like Finn Balor and stuff as well, he's not a massive dude, but he looks incredible. And obviously he moves incredible too. So that's whenever I started sort of getting into getting a bit leaner and kind of cutting down a little more. And it's paid dividends because my joints and my strength hasn't differed either. It's just kind of made my in-ring work so much sharper and so much better. Yeah. And have you had to look into um, a different type of nutrition as well since getting that advice and working differently in the gym? Have you had to work on your diet as well? Yeah, 100%. So, like, I would have uh, reduced my carbs. Not drastically. I still would have had, like, a good carb intake post-workout. But outside of that, I would have just went, like, higher fats and um, less carby meals. Just personally, though, like my body doesn't react as well on carbs as what someone else's might. So there's no perfect, here's a dad sheet that's going to work for everybody. You just need to play around with a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a, I've got a, a, a question from uh, somebody that's watching this. Um, what are your plans for the future then, Tucker? Um, is, is a return to WWE on the cards or maybe something you'd like to do? But uh, I think the bigger part of that question is what, what, are, your, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, never say never, 100%. Um, my plan is to, I've been that IACATS champion, like you say, for so, so long. And my original plan was to defend that all over the world and kind of put them guys on the map, just like they've put me on the map. And it's uh, anybody who has chatted to me about coaching for those guys, they played like a massive factor for me falling back in love with wrestling after that concussion and realizing just how much 
this business means to people and how appreciated those kids were. So that place has, like I've said to them personally, that saved my career, just how well they treated me and kind of made me realize just how good I could be. Yeah, and that awesome. match I had with uh, Tristan Archer, again, that those, the French matches, all the matches I've had in France are up there in the top matches ever, and including WWE, just in terms of connecting with a crowd on a different level. Like, you'll hear Esther said all the time, but I just knew I had them. Every bump, every falsy, every, just knew they were there with me the whole time, and just the reactions and the kind of pops after were just outrageous, especially for me going in there against Tristan, who's a superstar in his own right. He's probably the biggest name in France, maybe ever and just the love and respect from that crowd and then him after he's just such a great bloke as well speaks better english than me too flipsy <laughs> yeah and there's so much awesome footage on the air catch uh, youtube channel um and i know they've got a website as well but uh, yeah go and check that out if you haven't already so much awesome stuff including uh, tons of footage of uh, of tucker as well but uh, we, we've, we've spoke about air catch um but over the last couple of years it's obvious that you've been branching out as, as well a little bit so you've been kind of leaving ireland and the uk and you've yeah. uh let's say not only wrestled in france but you've wrestled for for Sam wrestling over in Finland, you wrestled in Belgium, you've wrestled several matches in Germany as well for EWP and, and some great matches there with the Mac as well. Uh, what, yeah. Was it a conscious decision on your part uh, to, to kind of branch out to other countries after your WWE experience? Uh, did that kind of, uh, you know, give you some thought, right, okay, I need to get my name out there on a wider scale? Yeah, so I, I always wanted to wrestle as much as possible. Or it was again just like putting the CV together and kind of work at a computer. That was always my biggest downfall, and still is like social media and stuff. I have social media and it's grand, but I'm clueless with it. I can post a picture now or a video, but that's about the height of it. Um, I was just very, very lucky to have that exposure from WWE because it sort of yeah. put my name on the map with a lot of people. And then I think I uh, working then for this company and that company and then them telling this guy oh, about this guy and he done a hell of a job and I always when I'm coaching I say this too like if you do get the chance to go and work somewhere make sure you go and chat to everybody and you're just be a good, as good a person as you are a wrestler in fact if not better do you know what I mean yeah absolutely um, just be respectful and grateful and you'll kind of get that back in return and that's what I would say about I catch and then when I wrestled in Finland they treated me like an absolute king as well and took me to one of the coolest gyms I've ever been in too. So shout out to Starbucks for that one. Yeah. And, and uh, I've, got, I've got to say, what was it like to wrestle Demac? Because you've had several encounters with him. He, he's really, you know, a, a top name over in Germany. He's part of the Cruiserweight Classic back in, I think it was 2016 or whenever that was. That was an awesome uh, tournament and kind of got his name out there on a bigger scale. But he's an awesome talent, isn't he? Yeah, he's unreal. And it's like, it's a weird one. As good as he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, it didn't really do him justice as well. I had mm. an absolute... I think I had two matches back-to-back -back with him over two months and just loved him. Absolutely loved him. Such an easy guy to work as well. Such a yeah. good, Like you say, just such a great talent. Yeah, unbelievable. So I've got a, a fan question for you, Tucker, and it's from a close friend of the show, uh, Kieran Reed. And Kieran asks, uh, who was or are currently some of your inspirations in wrestling? So have you got any any kind of inspirational figures in the wrestling business uh, from either when you were breaking in or any that you look up to now? I think in terms of just owning your 
owning your character and making me realize how important that was. And a lot of people say the same answer is Stone Cold. Um, right. N-Ring, obviously, Shawn Michaels. And for me personally, watching AJ Styles on the Indies made me to see wrestling in a completely different, different light because he was doing stuff that just I didn't even deem possible at the time. And the likes of The Amazing Red, uh, Chris Daniels, all those guys as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely awesome. Uh, so thank you, Kieran, for sending that one in. Um, are there any other opponents? We mentioned about a bucket list earlier, and, and certainly Walter was on there, maybe Pac as well. But uh, any other opponents? I know it's difficult times, not much wrestling is happening, certainly on the independent circuit. But anybody you'd like to kind of get in the ring with in the future, whether it be uh, in the UK or abroad? Um, I, would love the, I would love the wrestle Walter again, for sure. Yeah, um, I think that would be great. Um, a lot of the guys on AEW as well. A lot of dudes. I would love to wrestle um, Moxley too. I think that would be quality. I just think that'd he's, be insane. Yeah, just that he's a, a head case, and I'm a head case with him in there too. And I think <laughs> know we probably couldn't hit each other hard enough, you know that way. And that's the kind of stuff that I love. You're never, you're not going to be afraid to hit each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, final question before we wrap up then, Tucker. Um, what advice would you give kind of youngsters out there? I know that you're, you're a coach with uh, Aircatch, but if there's any young wrestlers that are watching this now, uh, what, what advice would you give them to kind of help them? Uh, something you wish you'd you know, told yourself or maybe knew back in the early days of your career, but any advice you'd like to give some uh, young aspiring pro wrestlers out there? Um, it'll be an ironic one at the minute, obviously, but travel as much as you can when it's legal. Um, yeah. Get yourself in as many different, as many different coaches and aspects of wrestling that you can do. The likes of, uh, I couldn't tell you again what year it was, not too long ago, but Dino or Dean Almark was over, and I would a lot like watch a lot of his stuff on YouTube, and then me and him are really close now, like almost best mates, and would chat almost every day. But him on a technical level is just a different gravy. And to be honest, watching him on the like did the All Star camps last summer, watching him work any style, give that man any style, and he can do it better than anybody. Honestly, I think he's one of the best in the world. And I feel as if obviously lockdowns kind of affected him in my, but he was just starting to finally build up the steam that he deserved to have for so so long. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we had Dean Allmark on this show uh, just over a month ago and uh, such a great guy and such an awesome pro wrestler. Um, yeah. He really is kind of a, a legend in the business and still uh, do, doing the business. Um, but uh, Tucker, before we say goodbye, uh, it's an opportunity now for you to throw out any social media, any, any plugs so uh, where we can find you. I know you said you're not kind of very technical savvy, but you do have all the socials. Where can we find you on Instagram, Twitter, uh -huh. Facebook? And if you've got any, if you've got any merch as well, my friend. Yeah, I think my Instagram and Twitter are the exact same. So it's at Tucker underscore UK CT on both. And merch wise, I'll, my message is going to actually do it for me and put it in the wee highlights bit. So there's just pictures and stuff at the minute and t-shirts, but there might be in hopefully the near future, depending on the financial situation. Sounds good. We'll definitely uh, uh, plug that as well when they're available. Uh, can't wait to see all of that. But uh, Tucker, it's been absolutely awesome speaking to you. I want to thank you for spending the last 60 minutes with me. Uh, thank you very much, my friend. Cheers, buddy. Thank you very much. Yeah, take care.